Hi, and welcome to The Conversation. This is Christy. And hi, I'm Gretchen, and this is Conversations to Connect. You're listening to episode one, where we'll be getting real about who we are and why we're doing this podcast. So I'm a licensed professional counselor. And I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and we work together in a private practice in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, called the Village Center for Holistic Therapy. Our practice is a holistic practice, which basically just means that we focus on the entire person and the mind-body connection. So the reason why we started this podcast is as counselors, I think that we're pretty comfortable having conversations. We do it all day long. And as we started to recognize that a lot of our clients were struggling with sharing their emotions with friends, family, and just generally not being comfortable with being vulnerable with one another. Agreed. I think a lot of the people that come in to see us for therapy are coming in because they feel like they don't have someone that they can have those experiences with. Um, they'll often tell us that we are the only person that they can share certain things with. And those things are often experiences that everyone has because, Chris, I don't know about you, but I will tell people, you're the fourth person today that has expressed that to exactly, me. Exactly, exactly. And coming through the door, I think, is a sign that people want to be having those conversations. Totally. So the more that we have practice with that, it makes it more comfortable. So, you know, growing up, we're never taught how to deal with our emotions, how to manage and express them. And so as a result, we just generally avoid them. Well, and in general, society, too, does not encourage people to communicate with each other, to connect. Um, If you think about... Uh, social media, especially now in today's um, day and age, and also just a media presence. Everything is teaching us to judge one another, to be distant from one another, and that to doesn't... To compare ourselves with one another. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that doesn't help us to feel connected to anyone. That actually strives us to move away from one another instead of um, pulling us towards one another. Definitely. And I would also say that, you know, when we're... Sh- talking about mental illness or mental injury, how we like to say, because it is injury. It's like a physical injury that we have. But a lot of times, all of the time, I would venture to say, um, we don't learn to take care of our mental injuries. We're told, you know, keep that to yourself, or I feel really uncomfortable with that. And so when people feel uncomfortable, they, you know, encourage one another to not share those emotions and Yeah, and it's totally different from a physical injury. If you think about when you hurt yourself, um, you sprain your ankle, or you need to get surgery, you are forced to slow down, take your time, do what you need to do to heal. You are encouraged to go to the doctor. People will ask you, oh my gosh, you're hurt? Did you go to the doctor? What did they say? Um, They check in with you. They ask you over and over, how have things been going? Did you go to physical therapy? Have you been taking your medication? Why aren't you taking your medication? That's so important for your recovery. Mm -hmm. And we know this. We are taught this from a very early age because when we get physically hurt, more often than not, that is often how people respond to us. Our caregivers, the people around us are teaching us, this is important. You need to take care of yourself in a physical sense. Right. That does not happen for many of us, if not all of us, in terms of emotional health and emotional or mental injuries. Absolutely. And I would also like to add that men especially are taught to completely deny their emotions, to, you know, be strong, to not show any signs of weakness or tendency to, um, to 
bottle those emotions. And then what happens is people deny them, they suppress them, and they numb them. And so whatever that looks like, whether it is a healthy or an unhealthy coping mechanism, some people might, you know, um, drink too much, some people might exercise too much. So even something that may appear to be healthy is actually causing us to deny what our real life experiences are. Yeah, and that can lead to a lot of other problems. A lot of people that experience severe anger um, issues end up coming to therapy because they want to address their anger. And really, oftentimes what's at the root of that is they haven't had the ability to express many emotional injuries that they've had throughout their lives. And so the importance of being able to not only talk about these things, but find people that we trust and are comfortable enough with to share very intimate and vulnerable parts of ourselves is really important. Um, It's one of the driving forces behind why we're doing this podcast, because we want people to know that even Christy and myself as therapists have these experiences, go through these things that are completely normal, that we have times when we feel extremely down or embarrassed or jealous or guilty or have FOMO or any of that stuff, that those are completely normal human experiences that we all have and there's nothing wrong with them. So unlike physical injury, I feel like when people are going through any sort of life transition or stressful time and they feel like they want to talk to a counselor, They either keep it to themselves and nobody in their social circle knows that they're seeing a counselor or it's very limited the information that they share about what it is that they're working on, what they need to be practicing, whether or not they're taking medication. A lot of times my clients will come in and say, hey, I'm doing great. I don't know if I should have come in today. And really, that's the time where you're not putting out those fires of crisis in your life and you can get to the root of how it is that you interact with other people, and what you can be doing differently to enhance your connections. Why do you think it is that people avoid talking about these things with others? I think, personally, I think that they're not used to it. And so when you're not used to doing something, just like practice, um, you can't pick up an instrument and start playing something. So if you don't know that how to deal with those emotions, you're not going to be comfortable expressing them. Well, and I think there's also a lot of concern about shame. There's fear about how people are going to respond to you if you share with them what it is that you're feeling. If you tell someone, you know, I've been really down and upset and kind of depressed, so I decided to go see a therapist, most people don't know how to respond to that. Yes, and in terms of seeing couples, I do a lot of couples counseling, and oftentimes they will come in at what appears to be the breaking point of their relationship Mm -hmm. rather than much earlier when you can really focus on communication rather than trying to mend a severely damaged relationship Um, just because people might say, well, we're not at that point yet. So why do we have to wait until we're at a certain point to reach out and get some support so that we learn to really enjoy our life experiences because we don't have to be walking around feeling alone. We don't have to be in fear of judgment um, because mostly that judgment is about ourselves. Well, and that's a good point. When you said that, like, why do we wait until we're at that breaking breaking point? And it makes me think of um, times when maybe I have shared things with people about, you know, I'm having a really rough day. And not all the time, but I've definitely in my life had people say to me like, well, cheer up. 
you'll be fine. Right. Right. And, or I, you're always happy. Don't let that bother you. Or it's going to get better. Or just, you know, that is a denial of how you're feeling as well. Of, I can't share exactly how I feel right now and have you say, Tell me what that's like. Well, it's sympathy. It's I feel bad right, for you, right. but I don't want to be any part of that. I don't want to share in that. I don't want to take any of that on. I don't want to sit in that with you. Right. Because sitting in emotions that we are taught are bad or negative, I like to call them unfulfilled emotions personally because we have emotions that fulfill us and we have emotions that aren't very fulfilling. And the ones that aren't fulfilling are the ones that people avoid at all costs, I feel like. Yeah. Well, they're ones because they're not comfortable, right? So unfulfilled emotions could be things like sadness, guilt, shame, all of those things that we kind of talked about before. Anything that I think most people would label as a negative emotion. Right. And... To have negative emotions does not make you a bad person. And so if you are experiencing a bad time or a transition, often um, that's how we grow as people. So instead of seeing that as a strength of, wow, I am so disappointed that I didn't get that job. I really wanted to make this connection and it didn't happen. And so we learn more about who we are as people. And if we are stuck in our own head and just trying to figure that out on our own, um, we don't have as much of a chance to learn from other people's experiences. Yeah, and if growing up, when you had any of these unfulfilled emotions, um, you were responded to in a way that was more sympathetic, which is, you know, oh, I'm really sorry that you feel that way, but get over it. Um, You are then innately taught, do not share these with me. Right? Like it is uncomfortable for me to deal with these. So you need to stop talking about them. And that perpetuates then I shouldn't be disappointed. I should not experience these. Mm -hmm. And it's all the shoulds, 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 which lead us to feeling very frustrated and unfulfilled in life because those are emotions and experiences that we need. Right. And So having parents that are sympathetic to you is one thing, and that's also a denial, but the other opposite end of the spectrum is children who are abused or neglected. They Mm. don't have anybody that they can even see as a role model, and quite honestly, like some of those role models aren't necessarily the best. We pick up on how to deal with people and situations by the role models that we have as children, and if they're not the best and we're not taught that... um, that we can depend on people, then we have a very difficult time learning to what those emotions are even. Well, and sometimes it's not even something that they're doing and they're aware of it. Um, We all are struggling day to day. That is just a given. And I think that's something that's important to identify and recognize that when you think about maybe your childhood and your parents or your experiences even now with family or close friends, when you're not getting what you need from that person, it's because they're struggling, you know, or they might be going through something. They might have one of their own shortcomings that makes it so that they're not able to provide you with what you need in that moment. It's one of the reasons why it's so important to have more than just one or two people in your kind of inner circle that you're able to have these conversations with. One of the things that I know Christy and I both talk about with people that we work with in therapy is maybe having like a handful, 
right? Like right. you want to well, have. Well, you get your needs met differently by different people. Absolutely. So while this person might be a good resource for you when you're feeling physically down, another person might be a good resource for you if you're trying to manage your family situation. Somebody that's within your family circle might even be better than a friend of understanding the types of relationships within the family unit. Because in any relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's an intimate connection, whether it's a family member, there are two people in that dynamic. So when I'm working with couples, I always put myself in the position of saying, I'm not working with you both as individuals. Your relationship is my client at Mm -hmm. this time. So if you think about any of those relationships, each person has to be maintaining their own um, optimal health in order to be able to manage a healthy role in within that relationship. No, I agree. I say the same thing too um, to people that are in relationships that really when you're in a relationship, it's like there's three people, right? You have each individual person and then you have the relationship and it needs to be uh, treated and identified as a separate entity. Right. And another part of that is two halves don't make a whole. So a lot of times people will say, well, I know that this person is really struggling, but you know what? I'm struggling too. So we can maybe like mend each other's hurts. And that's not the case at all. I know that within our practice, we see a lot of people individually, and then they will see a separate therapist for couples counseling because the issues are different. Yeah. What you're dealing with on your own is not the same as what you're dealing with in a relationship. And we need to be able to address the issues that we have on our own and individually, as well as issues within our friendships, within our family relationships, within our partnerships, within work relationships, right? Mm -hmm. So any of these can come out, any issues that we have individually can come out in multiple kinds of relationships in our lives. And it's important to recognize what is going on within you, Mm -hmm. what needs to be expressed, Mm -hmm. and sometimes what needs to be expressed many times, right? I mean, I think that that's something too that we feel like, oh, I talked about it once, I'm good. Right. And usually it's something that people need to talk about over and over Mm -hmm. and over and over Mm -hmm. again to really come to some sort of resolution about it. Sure. Learning to take care of ourselves, we really need to focus on these five elements of self-care and the holistic self is what we call it, Um, how our physical, emotional, and mental states kind of interact with one another. Um, So for example, say physically you get sick or you're in some sort of car accident, how does that impact your emotional and your mental state? I mean, if you're physically hurting, emotionally you're going to be feeling sad or overwhelmed. Absolutely. Yeah. And mentally you're not going to be focused in order to complete your daily tasks. You need to take care of your physical self first. Right. Um, From an emotional standpoint, say that you're grieving or you are at work and you get a phone call that someone you are very close with has just died. You are mentally not going to be able to stay focused at work. And physically, you're going to be nauseous. You are going to be distracted. Mm -hmm. You are not going to be able to be um, present present and Mm -hmm. performing at your optimal level. Um, Mentally, say that you are really preoccupied trying to make a decision, um, you're not going to be cognizant of making sure that you're eating right, making sure that you're getting enough exercise. So I think that starting with the three of those and how they impact uh, one another is important for us to um, 
focus on. Yeah, well, and understanding that for all of us, the way that we think, feel, and our actions are always going to impact mm-hmm. one another. And mm-hmm. that's really the main point to kind of take home from this mm-hmm. is if you are thinking in a way that is unhelpful, if you are thinking because you are stressed, because you are overwhelmed, because you're thinking that somebody is talking about you, that is going to make you feel crappy. Right. It's going to make you upset. Right. It's going to bring about emotions that then are going to influence the choices that you make, Your what behaviors. you do, right? Mm-hmm. how you behave with certain people, all of that stuff. And, and I think that the emotions and feelings get removed, just like we were talking earlier. Oh, yeah, totally. So people are just focused on, this is what my thoughts are, or they're not even recognizing that it's what their thoughts are, because our thoughts have become so automatic. We are on yes. autopilot most of the time in our lives. We're not even thinking about what we're doing right now, because we're five step at, steps ahead of where we need to be. Yeah. We're not able to recognize or even take a second to stop and think, how is this making me feel? Because we've mm-hmm. already thought it and felt it and made the decision. It and all moved happens. on to what needs to be anticipated rather right. than what you are experiencing. And the uh, downside to that is we miss out on our life. We miss out on experiencing exactly what it is that is happening, how others are behaving and responding, and um, learning how to manage those. Yeah, and... Not even necessarily missing out, but also seeing it from a perspective that maybe is false, right? Sure. Because mm-hmm. we've made up something in Making our mind. Making assumptions, mm-hmm. yes. These stories that we create within our minds oftentimes um, impact relationships and they don't need to because they're not even the case. You know, I might assume that you are upset and it was something that I did or, you know, you're pulling away because you... Um, you know, you're upset with me for whatever reason, but in fact, you have something really big going on and you don't want to share that with me. And this all goes back to, again, why conversations are so important. Mm -hmm. Because when we make assumptions, we are not communicating with the person that we're interacting with to find out what's really going on. Right. So if Mm -hmm. I'm interacting with Christy and she's getting snippy with me, Mm -hmm. what, and I might immediately think, well, what the hell? What have I done? Why is she so mad at me? I can stop there, not ask her, and continue to interact with Christy in a snippy manner back, which a lot of us might do, Mm -hmm. or I can say, Christy, are you okay? What's going on? You're kind of snipping at me. Right. And it gives her the opportunity to either own that and be like, you know what? You're right. Mm -hmm. There was something that happened between us. I want to address it. Or it helps Christy be aware that she was doing something maybe she didn't know she was doing and she didn't intend it. And I think that... When you when you say maybe there's something that I need to own, that's the piece that people don't want to confront. They're afraid of, oh, maybe I did do something to upset you. Yeah. And rather than owning that or saying, oh, that's something that I need to change in order to maintain a healthy relationship with you or something that is innately mine or my part of my personality mm-hmm. and I'm unwilling to change that and sort of negotiating around that. So oftentimes people will just avoid it. Well, and I tell people when I'm working with them in therapy that that's valuable information. Like so valuable because Mm -hmm. I know I used to be like that. I avoided conversations. If I thought you were mad at me, I didn't want to know. I would use my humor as a defense mechanism Mm -hmm. to be ha 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 and get out of the situation and try to make everything okay. And once I started getting real with people and 
being willing to open up and make myself vulnerable, I realized that I was keeping people in my life that were toxic for me and that were not helping me, that were keeping me in that unhealthy cycle mm-hmm. of, a, mm-hmm. of an unhealthy relationship. Right. Because unhealthy relationships breed off of one another. Yes. There are highly dysfunctional patterns that happen on both ends that's, that meet a need on a very deep level that are connected to what our early life experiences are. Within the first six years of your life, that really determines a lot of what your temperament is going to be, how you manage um, stressful situations. But any of that can be changed. If you can have a conversation with somebody and say, look, this really isn't working for me. How can we make this different? And like you said before, once you look at the behaviors that you put in place, like humor, sarcasm, Mm -hmm. um, extreme positivity that um, nobody's expected to be that way all the time. Right. If you're going to be real with people, you need to show all the sides of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about three of the five elements of the holistic self being physical, emotional, and mental. The other two, which is something that Christy and I have really found prominent for everyone, are your social uh, relationships, the social part of yourself thinking about when we need to spend time with others, when we need to connect, but also when we need to be alone and have time to ourselves and not forcing ourselves into either one of those situations. Sure. It's kind of like, are you isolating yourself in an unhealthy way or are you taking the time to replenish yourself? Um, We call that the rest and repose. Mm -hmm. When you're looking at, from a biological standpoint, anxiety, for example, you have your fight or flight and these hyper aroused states, but you also need that rest and repose. And I think that especially for people who are very busy and on the go, they don't see the time to really, you know, take, take away from um, being social for a little bit um, in order to re, uh, regain their sense of focus, I think. And also, I have experience with a lot of people that they feel bad for doing that. Oh, So yes. that's where, like, the forcing yourself mm-hmm. into more social commitments, into spending time with people when really all you want to do is spend time with yourself. Right. Um, and also how important it is that if you are going to take time for yourself, that you recognize that it is rest and repose, right. that it is... Right. Um, something that rejuvenates you, that is mm-hmm. restorative. That um, you're not doing these checking out activities, right. sort of like laying around, eating unhealthy, binge watching Netflix, mm-hmm. um, just, you know, avoiding all of your responsibilities, but you're maybe getting something to read or taking a walk or, you know, visiting with a close friend rather than going to a big party. That's why for a lot of people that I work with, they have a hard time making social commitments when it's a month or so in advance because you don't know what yeah, kind of no stage idea. you're going to be in. Are you going to want to go to that party three weeks from now? Um, and chances are, if you don't, um, what are the other people going to feel if you have to cancel on the last minute? And canceling on the last minute is okay. Um, people also need to recognize being honest with their reasons for needing to do that and knowing that Maybe you're going to hurt somebody's feelings, but that really is on them as a person. You know, um, you don't have to make an excuse. You don't have to say, you know, oh, this came up or, um, you know, just say tonight I'm not going to be up for making that commitment and you don't have to give a reason why. And if the other person demands that or becomes offended, that's really their issue. Um, I talk to people about staying on your mat. I'm a yoga person. I'm sure you'll 
come to know this <laughs> about me as we uh, move through this podcast, but um, this idea of staying on your mat, about focusing on what you need and not allowing the behaviors and actions of others to affect that state. I agree. I want to go back and talk a little bit about that time that we spend alone and how we often undo any good benefits that we have from that. And Mm -hmm. so if you make a choice to take a nap, that is fine. Some people might identify that as being lazy. Or maybe you do think to yourself, I have an hour. What do I want to do with that hour? You know what? I want to sit and I want to watch Netflix. Mm -hmm. And I'm making an intentional decision to do that. There is nothing wrong with that. That's the difference between, I think, what Christy, you were referring to, which is I have so many other things to do that I don't want to address, I don't want to deal with, Mm -hmm. so I'm going to binge watch things for a couple of hours, then I feel bad because, look, I haven't gotten anything done. That's kind of shut down mode, and you're absolutely right. And social media is a big thing, too. A lot of people are so overwhelmed and consumed with their social media um, that it becomes unhealthy, but... There are positive aspects to it, catching up with people, seeing what's going on, looking at the social events. So if you sit down and you have 20 minutes, a half an hour to do that, don't feel like that's something that um, you're checking out of. Right. Thank you. That is a a good distinction Well, I tell people a lot of times that, again, if you're saying to yourself, what I really wanted to do was connect with people on Facebook, Mm -hmm. or I really wanted to take that nap or watch that episode of whatever on Netflix, own that. And don't undo the positive benefits from taking that nap or mm-hmm. doing any of those things by telling yourself it was a waste of time. That's where we can really take good care of ourselves and our social needs is when we do the things that we need and we reap the benefits from them. Sure. sure. Um, so and, then, oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say, and that that comment about yoga actually made me think about the spiritual aspects. Yes. Because um, connecting with yourself, connecting with a, a source or power higher than you is a very important part of our lives. And I think that people get really hung up on religion yeah. or even spirituality aspects yeah. and um, say, oh, well, I was raised a certain way, whether it was, you know, uh, Catholicism or Judaism. And I really, I felt rejected in that or I felt um, inauthentic in continuing that practice. And so I'm just going to shut out spirituality altogether. And we really don't recognize the many different forms that spirituality can take. Yeah. And so I can attest to that because I grew up Catholic and really struggled to connect Mm -hmm. um, spiritually to the religion. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to so badly Mm -hmm. and I would throw myself into going to church or later on when I was in middle school, I went to like a non-denominational Christian kind of church and Mm -hmm. just really trying to find a connection for myself. And it was, I think, later through my training as a therapist and going into college and stuff that I realized that spirituality is such a huge part of our lives that we, for the most part, I think, automatically make that connection Mm -hmm. to religion. And it's not true. Right. You can have spirituality in a connection in nature. Right. In yoga, like Christy does. In um, movement, whether that be exercise or dance, or any or yoga, or any type of movement, and then also different forms of creative expression, making music, writing, Mm -hmm. um, singing, singing, playing an instrument, like doing anything that sort of lets physical art, all those kinds of things. That's also an emotional release as well, because because they're all connected. Exactly, and um, and when you're looking to alter your again mental state, emotional state, physical state. 
participating in community activities or spiritual activities um, are also a way to um, express yourself as well. Now, with the spiritual aspect, um, I know that I've worked with people who really depend on their faith and mm, their yeah. religion, and that is a strong, strong um, way to Absolutely. have a, a community to honor what it is that's right for you. And some people say, you know, I don't like the, um, speaking of being raised in the Catholic Church. Um, the dogma. Right. <laughs> exactly. And that they also have this script that you need to follow right. week by week. or But also there's a spiritual message as well. So whether or not you're connecting or not connecting with a church or whether it's a pastor, um, again, that's like with a therapist. Not everybody is the right match for everybody else. Yeah. And I think that honoring that as well is very important. So all of these things, these five different elements of the holistic self, the physical, emotional, mental, social, and spiritual are all going to interact with one another. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, I'm a very visual person. I like to think in pictures. And so I kind of like to think about it as having five different baskets. And sure. if you are putting too much into one, mm -hmm. you know, like I want to change my physical appearance. So I'm going to be changing how I eat and how I exercise and the people that I spend time with and that kind of thing. I might not be doing so well in other areas if I'm putting too much energy into one of those elements. And Which so, is creating an imbalance in your life. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to be important to work on recognizing when you have imbalances. And that's a big part of everyday life. You're never going to be completely balanced mm -hmm. all the time forever. I tell people all the time that there is never a point in time where you're going to say, my work is done. <laughs> all good. Yes, yeah. Because it changes hour day, day. by hour mm -hmm. even. You know? Absolutely. And I like that you said that visual piece because in therapy sessions, I will oftentimes with people fold a piece of paper or draw a diagram and say, let's really look at where you're at in every area. Because I might mentally think, oh, yeah, this is going great. Yeah. And, but in reality, did I really spend that much time, you know, taking care of myself physically? Did right. I really sit and have some, you know, mental uh, relaxation time. So yeah, getting real with yourself is a, an excellent place to start. I, I really feel that we overestimate the good things that we do yeah. and we underestimate the things that are causing a disconnect. And so when you wake up the next day and you're like, Oh, I'm feeling really awful. And I'm not sure why it's this matter of, you know, are we being honest with ourselves? Well, and even trying to identify what it looks like. So what mm -hmm. does it look like to take impeccable care of yourself physically, emotionally, mentally, socially, and spiritually. And if you have the ability to start thinking in those terms, in knowing what it would look like for you, because it's going to look different for mm -hmm. you than anybody mm -hmm. else. And, and there is more than matters. Right. That is normal, Gretchen, by the way. <laughs> I really don't know. because I love that question when it comes up in therapy. Like, I wish am was, I normal? I wish it was a word that could be removed <laughs> from our vocabulary because it creates more problem, I think, for everyone on a mm -hmm. daily basis than any other word. Normal and should. Right. I oh. would completely <laughs> take those out of the dictionary and our vernacular. And I actually oh. sometimes in session tell people that they cannot use those terms. Same. And I encourage and them to find different words mm -hmm. to replace right right because should creates what guilt and that's another frustration thing. yeah and mm -hmm. guilt is and expectations it, and all based on what assumption assumption so yeah which make if, an ass of you and me <laughs> <laughs> yes and so when that's happening we're not 
feelings of guilt is like, oh, I should be doing this. Oh, I should be feeling this. And that's based on anticipating how other people feel. Mm -hmm. And that is a dangerous uh, slope. And it pulls us away from taking good care of ourselves, Uh right? So that's Mm -hmm. one of those mental things. I'm preoccupied, right? We talked about before about being preoccupied by making a decision. We can also be preoccupied and putting way too many Mm -hmm. eggs in that basket of, I'm thinking too much about what others are thinking of me or what I need from others instead of connecting when maybe we need to step back and say, well, wait, is this something that I can be doing for myself or do I need to connect Mm -hmm. socially with someone? Do I need to take some time because I'm not feeling in connection with anything to be more spiritual with myself, right? right? So this is something that we'll be talking about mm -hmm. more throughout um, all the different podcasts that we'll be doing. Sure. And this idea of normal and happiness is really creating um, difficulty for a lot of my clients because it's like, do I have the right to feel this way? Yeah. And the answer is all the, always yes, absolutely. Yes. Do I have the right to be sitting here and trying to figure this out? Because there's so many other people out there that have it far worse than I do. And those comparisons just aren't I fair. That. Like it's I not fair. Mm-hmm. No, because it minimizes your own feelings. When right. people say that, mm-hmm. that's another sympathetic trick mm-hmm. where it's like, um, you should be thankful because people in Uganda are starving. Well, you know, and yeah. it's like, and well, then yes, I feel guilty. Now I feel bad for feeling my feelings. Right. right. And all feelings are worth sharing. And valid. Absolutely valid. They might not be rational, but they're definitely <laughs> valid. Um, and that's something too, that recognizing that you might feel overwhelmed by those emotions. So when you are taking good care of yourself emotionally, it might be letting out a lot of those emotions that make you feel uncomfortable, but it's better to get them out than to keep them inside. Sure. And long-term, it's going to serve you a lot better too. And what you said before about happiness too, and putting all those eggs and, you know, trying to determine what it is that other people want or need or anticipate from you um i think that that's an unfair position for anybody to be in like nobody else is going to create happiness for you and nobody else has the right to cause you to be unhappy so in sessions a lot of time we'll be sitting and somebody will say oh well this person did this and now i am so upset and angry well if you're not doing something in order to rectify that situation then you're sitting with those emotions for no really good reason because the other person's not worried about it. I can guarantee you that. Right. They've probably completely moved on. (laughs) Right. Totally. Right. So with saying all of that, we kind of just wanted to use this first podcast to, you know, introduce ourselves and just give a little background about some of the reasons why we wanted to start this podcast. Um, Our intention for future podcasts is to really try and pick different topics that all of us experience really trying to talk about common shared experiences that we all have to help everyone feel much more normal. I was going to say, I hate that word. We can use the word normalize in that situation because we can normalize that it's common. Maybe more accepted. Like, am I the only one that feels this way? Mm -hmm. No, because we all feel this way. So not only are Christy and I going to be talking about these things, but we're also going to be inviting friends professionals, colleagues, people from the community to come in and have conversations about these topics with us. Right. And also, we will be asking of you, the audience, what it is that you want to talk about. What have your experiences been? Um, We have a presence on Instagram, and we will be um, sharing information related to all of the the five elements of the holistic self. Um, 
and different topics that we'll be sharing. And we really encourage people to ask us questions, to send us messages. We also have a website. It's www.conversations2connect.com. Um, you can take a look at some of our um, bio information, and there's also a contact form on there that you can share any questions that you might have, topics you might like to um, hear in the future as well. So thank you for listening to Conversations to Connect with Gretchen and Christy. If you like our show, want more information, and want to connect with us, go to www.conversationstoconnect.com and follow us on Instagram. We hope this episode has given you some useful tips to create meaningful conversations in your life. If you feel like you would benefit from talking with a therapist, um, we really encourage um, one resource that's wonderful no matter where you live is psychologytoday.com. Um, or you can contact your insurance company for a list of referrals in your area. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.